A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Season 4, Marco Timpano. Thank you for listening to The Insomnia Project. You can follow us on Twitter at Listen and Sleep, on Instagram, The Insomnia Project, and of course, on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio Addict, Radio Public, wherever you listen. Acast is where our platform is, so feel free to listen there as well. In the studio with me today is a new friend. We have a mutual friend who said, Desmond would be great for your podcast. And I'm like, I want Desmond on my podcast. So Desmond Nye, welcome to The Insomnia Project. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Desmond, um, we have a love of travel, but I'm not going to get into travel because I feel like I talk so much about travel on this podcast that I want to start with something that you have a love for and something that I enjoy immensely, and that is badminton. Oh, I absolutely adore badminton so tell us how you got into badminton what was your entry into badminton and where did that take you i got into badminton uh at the ymca when i was maybe 11 or 12 years old playing every now and then did you just take a class or did friends or or how did that come about just me picking up a racket no classes no training and just playing with a bunch of other kids oh wow Yes, and it was only until grade nine when they announced badminton team tryouts that I thought I'd, I'd get like to give this a shot. Okay. Yes. So in your high school, grade nine or the ninth grade, you were like, I'm going to take this a bit more serious than just a casual pickup game at the YMCA. Yes, exactly. I figure it's the only sport that I could potentially do well at. Couldn't play basketball or any of the other more mainstream sports. Okay. So I thought give this a shot. And I remember being super anxious about the tryout and whether I'd get in and everybody was better than me. And then how did that develop? Did you increase your ability or did you plateau and stay at that same sort of level? I increased my ability. So I got onto the team. Okay. I got onto the team as a grade nine student. And then I realized that in some of the tournaments that the people that I was playing against were super strong. And I was wondering, where do they, where do these kids come from? And I sure. found out from my coach that they're club players. Oh. They play at private badminton clubs. Okay. And they can, some of them compete all over the place. So that summer I en- enrolled in a badminton training program at a private badminton club. And my level, I guess, took off from there. Okay. And where did it get you to? It got me to a silver medal at the TDC AA uh, championships. So it's the, I don't know if it's called that anymore, sure. but it's uh, the group of uh, Catholic high schools okay. with some private high schools in there. So I played, I believe it was junior uh, 
boys singles, and I got a silver medal there. I got absolutely destroyed in the gold medal match. Okay, but listen, a silver yeah. medal is nothing, nothing to snark at. Congratulations Thank on you. that. So for listeners who don't know much about badminton, walk us through the game, the rules, how it's played, and any tips you might have with regards to badminton. Sure. Um, badminton, there's um, basically two kinds of badminton. Oh, okay. There's singles, singles. Okay. and there's doubles. And they use different lines. So if you if you see the lines that are used in badminton, all of the lines, like the outermost lines, are for doubles. And you're talking about the lines on the court. Like, yes. Like a tennis, if you look at tennis, it has kind of like a rectangular uh, drawn-out grid, let's say, for lack of a better that's, term. That's right. Okay. It's, it's drawn out there. It's usually in white. Mm-hmm. It's usually in white. And the outermost lines are used for doubles. The only difference for singles would be that the lines on the left and right are brought in a little bit more. Okay. I don't know if that's a good way of putting it, but they're, it's, they cut off the parts. They basically cut off parts of it that would be used for doubles. They say it's longer. Okay. It's not as wide. That's that's the word. Okay. That's the word. So the outer it's, sort of thinner lines where you can have more play surface for a uh, doubles yes. gets sort of contracted inward. Contracted and, slightly. And yes. Slightly. And then it just, the playing surface for the single is just deeper forward and back. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah, got it. So, and then within doubles, you have um, mixed doubles mm-hmm. and you have um, men's doubles, women's doubles. Sure. And uh, the... The rules are all the same. Uh, it used to be play up until 15 points, but they've found that you have to, you can only score points when you serve. So if someone else serves and you score, it didn't count. Oh, I so see. So that made for some super long games. That right. that so that all changed to the 21 point system. In the 21 point system, it doesn't matter if you're serving. If you get the point, the point counts towards you. I see. It counts towards you. So they changed it to the 21 system, and they had experimented for a really long time. Maybe wow. changing it to the seven-point system, right. having women's singles go to the 11-point system. Did it get changed when badminton became an Olympic sport? I want to say in the 90s at some point. I think 92. Yes. It be- 1992, it, it became did, an right? Olympic okay. sport. That's right. In 88, it was a test sport. Oh, I see. Yes. So 92 officially became an Olympic sport in Barcelona. And I was going to say, where was it? In, yep. Okay, Barcelona, yes. In Barcelona. So um, that they've experimented with all kinds of formats to make the game more exciting. Sure. To make the game uh, easier to watch. And they did not want those long, drawn-out, like, three-hour matches. Right. There was a match at, I believe, the 1997 World Championships in the men's singles final where they just would not stop playing. Wow. It was until the Chinese player got a really bad cramp, and that's what began the ending of the match. So it was multiple were... hours that game? Yes. Wow. Yes, between China and Denmark wow. in 1997. You still see those long games, but mm-hmm. not as long, not as long now. Right. So, And the 21-point system seems to have stuck and done well. Interesting you mentioned Denmark. I know that badminton is huge in Denmark. Huge. It was one of the first places, certainly in Europe, to really pick up the sport as a as a sport that they love. Absolutely. The the Danes have been very, very strong from a long time ago in right. picking that up. They've been 
contenders on the world stage for a long time. Wow. They've had Olympic gold medalists from there. They've had world champions from there. Um, they recently, I believe it was in maybe within the last five years, they won the Thomas Cup, which okay. is considered the world men's team world championship. Oh, I didn't know that. The yes. Thomas Cup. Yes. Okay. And they won the Thomas Cup. And usually it's won by either China or Indonesia. Right. Those are the two major superpowers when it comes to men's badminton. Yeah, because Asia also stronghold in this sport. Yes. You tend to think, um, but at least I tend to think Asia uh, really dominates when it comes to badminton. I never really think Denmark, but when I did a little bit of research, I was like, oh, Denmark's a, play, a major player in this sport too. Denmark's a definite major player. They've had excellent players even as long as the Chinese okay. have had excellent players. and. Other parts of Europe are learning and picking up on certain styles of badminton mm. because certain Asian players are retiring right. and going over there and coaching and imparting their wisdom too. That's not the only reason, but Europe has done a lot better. There's someone out of Spain. Okay. There's a women's singles player out of Spain who shocked the world a few years ago winning right. the world championship wow. for women's singles. Then she won the Olympics. Right. And this is someone that came out of nowhere. nowhere. I love those. You gotta yep. love those um, those stories, right? Would it be safe to say? Now I'm I'm gonna do what I always do, and my listeners are probably gonna roll their eyes, and I'm gonna bring a Canadian perspective to this. Sure. Would it be safe to say that watching Denmark China play badminton would be like watching Canada Russia play hockey if you're into the sport of badminton? Absolutely. Okay. Ab- absolutely. Um, they have a long and storied history. Okay. Like um, some of their, some of Denmark's players have, could have won world championships had it not been for the Chinese players. Wow. And vice versa. Right. Like so, 1996, so, the men's singles, the gold medal went to Denmark. Okay. And he beat China. Wow. In the final. And you go to 2000, China beat Denmark in the semifinals of the Olympics. It was a shocking upset victory. So... They've been, they've been going back and forth. That's a big rivalry. I'd say that's the number two rivalry in badminton, and um, maybe some badminton experts might disagree. Sure, but, but the original badminton rivalry was between Malaysia and Indonesia. Oh, I see. So that's another match you want to see. Yes. I'll be watching badminton from now on with a different perspective, and I do really want to see these four nations you mentioned battle it out, especially in the Olympics. I'll be keen on that. For sure, absolutely. Like if you look at some of the older Thomas Cup matches Mm -hmm. when Malaysia was playing Indonesia, the crowd was just so into it because the countries are situated so close together. And they've had long, long, long rivalries. You can compare that to any sports rivalry in any sport. Wow. It's just like that. Let's talk shuttlecock. And there's a great uh, phrase for you. I know it's <laughs> often the butt of a joke, but of the shuttlecock is what is used to play in badminton, whereas a ball or a puck or a something right. else might be used uh, to play, but it has its own name. So tell me yes. about that. Uh, as far as I know, mm-hmm. um, it comes basically they're little feathers. Right. They're little feathers that are put into a piece of cork, right. and that forms that forms the shuttlecock. And if you're not playing professionally, it'll often be just a plastic sort of replica. Yes. But I'm told, and I've never played with a feather, that playing with the feathers 
is is a different sport than playing with the plastic. Is that Completely, true to say? Completely, 100%. How true. so? Because now I'm curious about that. Sure. The, the feather one requires a lot more control. It requires a lot more technique, whereas in the school system, in the right. high school system, we played with the plastic replicas. Right. The plastic replicas are used a lot, and one of the reasons that it is used is because the feather ones can get damaged really easily. Right. So they go through so many feathers when they're playing. Mm-hmm. But in with the plastic ones, you could smash it, and it could be a really great smash For really sure. fast. And, and it'll, it'll still stand up. It'll still be great, whereas if you do it with a feather and your technique is a little bit off, that, that shuttlecock can slow down. It can go different ways. It just it's brings out the best in the players. I actually prefer playing with feather. You do. Because I can navigate the shuttlecock within my control. At, at least this is what I used to be able to do before I my body could no longer play the sport at an elite level. So here's a curious thing I have. Does it make each shuttlecock unique because feathers are unique like snowflakes, you could say, right? No feather is the same versus a plastic shuttlecock, which you could make the same weight, diameter, and whatnot as the next, right? I've never thought of that, but I would not rule that out because okay. no feather is unique. They All the feathers, all the shuttlecocks look the same. Sure. They're, they're built all the same. However, there's different companies, for example, that build different quality shuttlecocks mm-hmm. as well. So there are definitely differences there. And I guess they try to control it internationally as much as possible. But like you said, it's not all created equal. So I mean, the discrepancy might be so minute that the player would would not know or would automatically compensate for it. Sure. Um, but I'd like to talk about rackets. Yes. Because you look at a badminton racket and you think, oh, it's like every other racket sport. And then you pick one up and it feels different. Let's Absolutely. talk badminton rackets. Absolutely. It, it's, it's very light. It is very, very light. And... There's so many variations sure. with badminton rackets that you could have mm-hmm. in terms of there are – it's just the way that the frame is built. It's the way the grip is and how the head of the badminton racket is built. There's certain badminton rackets that suit different styles of play. Okay. Certain, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, certain singles players will use certain rackets. Certain doubles players will use other kinds of rackets. And some players are more attacking style players. Right. So they'll use rackets that – are more conducive to attacking, whereas the other ones will use their defensive players. They win their matches through defense. So So what does an attack racket look like versus a defensive racket? As far as I can remember, the attack racket has a heavier head. Okay. So it's like there's more momentum. There's more inertia coming down when, when the smash is coming down. Whereas the in order to play defense really well, you have to be quick and you have to know where you're putting the shuttle. You have to, it's like be playing offense while playing defense. I see. You just don't want to put the badminton racket back up. You want to be able to drive it somewhere. So the rackets are built differently. Their mm-hmm. frames are built differently. Some are heavier than others. And also the stringing. The stringing, that's what I was going to ask you. Yes. So what's key in the stringing for a badminton racket? Or how do you like your racket stringed? I like my, when I used to play, mm-hmm. my rackets were strung really, really tightly. I see. They were strung really tightly because I I loved, I didn't want there to be too much give okay. in terms of the string because I wanted to control where the shuttle was going. 
I wanted to play that style of badminton. Does a tighter strung racket give you a larger sweet spot? There's a stumper That's question. That's a stumper. Wow. Um, now, for our listeners, and yes. you can correct me while you're thinking, sure. uh, the sweet spot would be the ideal spot in the center of the racket where when it makes a connection with your shuttlecock or if you're playing squash, as I know it, um, you have the most control and the most ability to send it where you want. Is yes. that fair to say? That is fair to say. Okay. It, it's a little bit higher than the center. Oh, it is. Okay. It's not necessarily at the top of where the racket frame is, but it's a little bit higher than the center. Mm-hmm. And just the tight string, I don't think gives a larger, larger okay. sweet spot, but it just gives much more control. Okay. Much more control of where you're putting the badminton racket and you can play with a lot more deception. I see. You can play a lot more deceptive moves to try to mix up your opponent. But the problem with that is that it breaks easily. Oh, I didn't know the that. The strings break easily. And because they're strung at a certain tension, it puts pressure on the badminton racket. Oh, I didn't know it that. Puts, yes, it puts pressure on the badminton racket, and badminton rackets will break. I've breaking strings happens all the time, and then you have to, you got to pay to get them strung up again. Yeah. So I always had a battle with my parents. My parents would be saying, "Number one, why are you picking that quality of string? Right. Number two, why are you stringing it so tightly?" Whereas my dad, for example, sure. would use a piece of string, and he'd play for it for a couple of years. Right. And how long would yours last? maybe a month and a half. Wow. So you see the the very, very big difference. Sure. And, and because of that, badminton rackets can break too because there's so much pressure. And they're thin, right? Yes. Like they're so much thinner than a, uh, let's say, a squash or tennis racket. Absolutely. Um, when you said the quality of string, what does that mean? Like you're picking a, a different type, like an expensive string? or Yes, an expensive string. There's other... There's very durable strings, and then there are strings that are specialized for certain players that, and I'm not tooting my own horn here, no, but, no. but playing a certain style where there's a lot of control in the game, and it just depends how, I don't want to use the word refined, but how many nuances okay. are in your game. But what is the string, what is the difference in the actual string, like the one you prefer versus, say, the one your dad are are they both not nylon strings or are they they, they both are um, in terms of the difference the one that my dad would pick would be more durable okay. and it would lead to less control of the badminton racket and and the differences are very small when you're playing the game however if you're playing in a competitive environment sure they they say about sports that it's a game of inches of course it's, especially with badminton uh, absolutely because. Uh, the thing I loved about playing badminton, and by no means have I played it like you did in a professional setting, but the opportunity to hit the shuttlecock. Yes. There's so many more, I found, opportunities that if you miss it, you still might have the time to catch it before it touches the ground. Absolutely. R- right? So it's like this, it's this fast game with a slow-moving shuttlecock. And right. it's fast too, but it doesn't have the same sort of... I don't know, like other racket sports, I feel like you have one opportunity because once the ball yes. goes, once the inertia of the ball goes, you you have one swing and that's it. Like tennis, for like example. Like tennis, right? Yes. Whereas badminton, you have like, oppor- there's so much opportunity and skill and precision 
Yes. That it makes it such an enjoyable game to play. You can you can save it. There's all kinds of of moves that you you can do with the badminton shuttlecock. So it's it's a fun game. It's definitely different than the other uh, than the other racket sports. Sure. It's definitely different. What are some tips you would give to our listeners who are interested or are starting to play badminton? I would say, and this might not be well received, but I would say that oh, footwork, sure. uh, footwork is the most important thing. So getting that footwork right, because when you're in a situation where you are scrambling all over the court, your footwork is what will save you. And in most major sports, it comes down to it comes down to footwork. I had the opportunity to interview Cloda Power about boxing. Okay. And she said the same thing. She's like, the footwork is key. Start with the footwork and the rest will come. But if you don't have the footwork, you don't have a game. Yes, exactly. And that is why some players that wanted to do good in badminton would go to these private clubs and 90% of what they would work on is footwork and they'd go home and saying, why did I pay 300 bucks for a six-week course when I'm just running around and taking steps all over the court. Right. But it's super important because in such a fast game, if you're trying to hit the shuttlecock at the back of the court and the person drops it to the front, you better know how to get it. You can run up to it. You can run up to it. Sure. But the momentum when you're done running up to it, you can't go to the back right away. Right. Because it'll kill your knees, right? It'll totally kill, kill your knees. So that's why when some coaches who are coaching, let's say, high school badminton do not have a background in badminton. They just say to the students, get your feet moving. I see. How do you get your feet moving? Right. Exactly what way. The feet are not moving because of the knees. Maybe there's tightness in the quad muscle or the hamstring. Sure. Why is this student's feet not moving? So that's the number one thing. Close to number one is technique. Okay. You'd rather be a technician at the game than someone who can smash really well and someone who's got a lot of strength and power because technique is what will keep you in the game and it'll allow you to control the shuttle to make up for your other shortcomings. So when I went off to school in the States, I studied law in St. Louis. I gained a bunch of weight. So when I came back to Toronto to play, it was technique that still allowed me to be relatively competitive at the YMCA. It was technique because I knew where to put the shuttle. So I made up for my physical deficiencies by being able to send the shuttle almost wherever I wanted to. And then that's how I that's how I played. Wow. So that's another reason why some people may not like going to these private clubs and training because, hey, I want to play games. I want to learn how to smash it as hard as an Olympic right. gold medalist. But there's so much technique involved. There's so much movement. It's It's like trying to say... Let me jab like Floyd Mayweather. Right. It's not going to happen unless you have everything else and tons of training under your belt and body makeup, too. Absolutely. Certain bodies play differently. The center of gravity is different with much taller players. And the strategy playing against certain players is different if they're they're taller or shorter or depending on their strengths. Like everybody for example thinks in boxing that the power of the punch comes from the hand right comes from the hip right badminton the power of the smash comes from the hip mm-hmm. it, not not your forearm or your wrist it definitely comes from that but it's like the finishing part of the sequence of the smash the follow through if you will exactly yeah um 
So before we end the show, yes. let's just quickly talk about points, how one gets points when playing badminton. Uh, one gets points by playing badminton either when the other side, your opponents cannot uh, pick up the badminton shuttlecock. Like the shuttlecock lands on the ground. It touches the ground. It touches the ground. So they cannot get points that way. And if how many points is that? If, if that's we're one playing point. and I miss it and it touches the ground, you get one point. That's right. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's always one, one point. point. Um, also, if the shuttlecock hits the net and it does not go over to the net, the, the other side gets a point. So if you throw to me, it hits your side of the net, does not go over to mine, I get one point. Yes, that's right. correct. So there are sometimes examples where the the shuttlecock will be, hit the net and then barely slide over. Mm. That's your point, and right. there's nothing your opponent can do about it. Right, that's, because it's just the way it goes. Exactly. There's no way you can possibly respond to that. And there's players who can really, like, pinpoint that yes. shuttlecock to just touch or graze or flip over the net, right? There's, I can count them on both of my hands. There's right. not many of them, right. but the ones that can do it correctly are viciously good players right. they or they know how to respond to those sure. they know how to re- there was a player out of Indonesia who won the silver medal in 2000 he was known for his net play wow. maybe about five foot seven not the most imposing person but he was just known for his net play and What's his deception Hendro Wan all right he went by one name so it's it's like it's like calling someone like LeBron or something. Sure. You you just know them by one name. Wow. So about the points also, if you hit it out, mm-hmm. if you hit it outside of the lines, it counts as a point to the other side. Of course. So like in tennis, if it yes. if it those white lines that we mentioned, if it goes out of bounds, your yes. uh, opponent receives the point. That's right. And then also there's service faults. There's okay. faults you can the judge will call you on certain faults. You cannot, when you're serving the badminton racket, you cannot have it above your waist. Oh, really? Yes. You cannot have it above your waist. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Because if you have it above your waist, I can technically put the shuttlecock anywhere I want. If I have my racket above my waist. Yes. If I have it way above my waist, I can control it in a way. So it's a way to equalize the... It's a way to equalize it. So don't serve above your waist. That's a fault. Another fault is... Once you bring the racket forward to begin to serve, you're not allowed to bring it back. Okay. You're not allowed to bring it back. You have to follow through. Yes. There was a little bit of a controversy when I was playing grade 9 badminton. These players, and I did not know the rules at the time. Sure. These players would keep on putting the racket back and forth. It was like they were trying to trick you. Right, because you think, okay, they're about to hit it, so you're getting in position, but they don't. Exactly. And and your feet just just freeze. Sure. So... at the competitive level, none you can't that. play like that. Okay, there is there is none of that. Another way of getting a, a point is you are not allowed to hit the racket, hit the net with your racket. Okay, because then you'll lose a or the, your opponent will gain a point if you do exactly. that. Exactly, you can't you can't do that, and that has led to some some controversies because sometimes you can't prevent it. Right, of course. When you're coming in for the kill and you successfully get the kill, and your badminton racket grazes the net just by a little bit. You will be called for that. Oh, so if I'm approaching the net and I smash it down and the shuttlecock hits the floor on your side, but my racket hits the net? That's the other person's point. You get the point. Correct. Wow, I didn't know that one. Yes. You cannot make contact with the net. Another one, too, is the net almost acts like a gigantic invisible wall. Okay. Because 
it means that not only can I not touch the net, I cannot put my racket into your side. side of the net. So it's like if I know a shot is coming and then I take it and I smash it, but I smashed it while it was still on your side, that's a fault. Oh. See, these are not the rules we play at the cottage when we yes. play badminton. <laughs> yes. But thank you so much, Desmond, for this uh, you know, master class in badminton. I really do appreciate uh, I think everyone should watch it. It's a fast sport. It's such a beautiful sport when it's played at the highest levels. And there are so many other countries that are getting involved in the sport now. This is the golden time for the sport. Oh, fantastic. Well, Desmond, thank you so much for all your insight into badminton. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Insomnia Project. Project? Project? Where is that from? I hope you have the opportunity to listen and hopefully sleep. And if not, we'll, we'll see you next time or we'll hear you next time or we'll talk to you next time on the Insomnia Project. This episode was recorded in Toronto, Canada. Once again, Desmond and I, thank you for being a part of our show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Until the next time.